Hello and welcome to Demystifying Tech from Business Cloud. I'm Alistair Heidegger and I'm joined by Business Cloud editor Jonathan Simcock. Morning. And special guest this week, Trina Falnes of Messaging Apps Bond. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. We're talking messaging apps, of which yours is one, um, both in uh, business and personal life, and the threat of GDPR breaches within those groups. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit, but first, uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Trina. Now, Spond was created in Norway. For those who've not used the app, it's doing very well there, but it's also doing increasingly well in the US and the UK as well. Can you tell us in a few sentences what the app does? So Spond is an app for any type of organized activity. So it's essentially like if you have any type of activity that is like recurring and you have a group of, you know, like-minded individuals who enjoy the same activity, um, you would use Spond as an app to organize that activity. So you can send out um, event invitations, you can have all your communications on it, you can take payments, all of that kind of stuff. So it takes away all the pain points essentially of organizing activity. And activity there, for the most part, at least at the moment, is uh, sports. Yes, that's very true. So we have, I think we essentially cover, I don't know, like it's such a wide range of sports. It's not like we're, you know, more football or rugby or cricket or anything like that. It's uh, We reflect essentially the national interest in sport, mm. I, I would say. But we also have a large, a large user base outside of sports. So choirs, marching bands, you know, scouting, um, community organization, church or faith-based uh, organizations as well. And the the key here is that it's an alternative to chat apps that already exist like WhatsApp. Now, John, I'm always pleased that you're on the podcast, but especially this week because you are the user case uh, for this app. I'm the guinea pig, am I? You are the guinea pig. As a a parent who has to organise his children's sporting activities, um, we were talking off air about, you know, how you go about that when you don't have an app like Spawn in in the works. Uh, And you were saying that it's all done by text at the moment. Yeah, so... I'm so accustomed in my everyday life to organising things through WhatsApp or it could be Facebook Messenger, that kind of thing. But when it comes to organising my son's football team, you can't really do that. You can't be sharing everybody's details through WhatsApp. So what essentially I do, because I'm maybe I'm a little bit lazy and I've not found the right platform yet, is I send a text message out on, say, a Tuesday or Wednesday, and I say, hi, guys, you know, there's a game at the weekend this is the time uh, you know text me back if you're playing or not and then I have to manually make a note of who's playing who's not do I have enough players you know who's going to be there etc and it's it seems a ridiculous way to do it and as a tech journalist I should have done acted on this sooner yeah. Um, but yeah it, when I saw Spond I was like mm, here we go it's falling into my lap we got to fix this John <laughs> there's better ways is that I suppose on that are your competitors um, you know as, as a business your competitors those big existing chat apps that offer group options is it, do you see that as the main competitor to to spawn well i think um look like whatsapp is a great platform for its purpose uh but the purpose was never to organize activity or sports right and i think that's a little bit of the difference like that's what john's struggling with right now um WhatsApp is a great activity or a platform. Let's say like I want to send messages to my close friends or, you know, have a one-on-one conversation. But the moment you get like a group that's more than 10 people, I mean, it pings constantly. Uh, it's a very, uh, you as an administrator of that group, like let's say you being the coach, you have to stay on top of all that communication, everyone asking questions. Um, and I think, you know, I use WhatsApp too, but I would never use it for organizing my team. So that's where Spawn comes in. And it's just... Um, 
there's obviously right now a big narrative around GDPR and compliance, which I think is kind of fueling a little bit of this being a more of a story that you see in media. But I think if you take all that away, even and you just look at the user pattern and how users engage and, you know, uh, how teams organize their business, um, Spawn offers a great way to do that where you can, you know, essentially communicate across to all your uh, members and, and post those events and have, you know, if you post an event, so you, it'll have the map on there. So like John would never get lost, you know, you would know who's coming and all that sort of stuff. So WhatsApp is definitely um, a, a, a normal way for people still to do this and organize their activity. Uh, but I, you know, I think this, just like everything else, we need to get smarter, right? Yeah. And, and you are from Norway. People might not recognize uh, that accent as being from Oslo, where you're based at the moment. So you're actually from Norway as well. I'm 100% Norwegian. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, have you popped you in to see uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on your, on your trip to Manchester? I haven't this time, but I've seen him play before. <laughs> so. in, in Norway, is it the same thing? Have you, is it still just you know, you've got text, you've got WhatsApp, you've got Facebook Messenger. Is that just internationally the the biggest messaging services or is it does it change from one country to the next? No, I think that pretty much summarizes it. Um, I would definitely say there's a little bit of a divide, right? Because you would have the more... Um chat or text message services um, that would be like, for example, WhatsApp or Messenger that are non-purpose-built. And then you would have, you know, a cluster also of purpose-built apps, which, for example, Spawn is an example of. Um, there's others as well. Um, some of them have like a pay model and some of them like Spawn is free. And I think that's a big um, d- distinguisher in the marketplace. Uh, but I think, yeah, you're right. You know, if you go to Italy, if you go to the U.S., if you go to France or if you come here to the U.K., it's pretty much the same story. It's mm-hmm. someone trying to figure out, you know, how can I make, how can I make my user journey work? Uh, And if this is a tool I have, like, is there a better way to do that? Yeah, it doesn't feel when I, especially when I'm sending out a text message, like they're a professional way to operate. But then like say, I'm I'm concerned about the GDPR. And even though it it may feel like everybody's friends and we all get on, especially if you start sharing pictures of the kids playing football and all that kind of stuff, you don't know what's to stop someone forwarding that on mm. via WhatsApp, so I don't know if there's if, if there's anything around you know on Spond which allows you to share like multimedia, for example. Yeah, so uh, on Spond you can essentially share um, any type of files. So you can send, you know, you can send to through your group, you can send through your fixtures, um, you can send through information as a PDF, or you can send through like pictures from the last game. And I think, you know, I'm a mom and I have three kids, and I'm you know very involved in their sports activities, even if they're all peanuts. Uh, but while I would never feel comfortable with having another parent share like a picture on Facebook, for example, mm-hmm. I don't mind it so much in Spond, of course, because it's a close group. And I think that's a key differentiator. You see this um, narrative and, and just kind of um, people want more privacy. People want to make sure that they know what happens to their data. Mm-hmm. And people want to make sure that, especially with their kids, you know, like this is a very sensitive user group. So I think um, I think you're right. It's, it's going to be a little bit more of figuring out, you know, how can you share the experiences, but maybe share that just like you're used to with social media, but in a way that's purpose-built and in a way that feels like you're taking care of the safeguarding aspects, the compliance aspects. Um, yeah. Touching on GDPR a bit more there, I suppose how real is the GDPR threat to, let's say, a, a football team or a, a coach, let's say, who's who's doing 
who's doing that. They're organising a, a small football match with some kids. How worried should people be after hearing this podcast? And they've already got a WhatsApp group. Is it time to close it down immediately or is it just something to bear in mind? I would definitely argue that, you know, it's time to close down the WhatsApp um, use uh, for this purpose. You know, there are other better ways of doing it that does not make you liable or mm-hmm. pose any risk when it comes to GDPR and compliance. Um, for example, um, you know, WhatsApp, again, it's I think a lot of coaches and clubs and teams like they just wouldn't know that they're actually they're not aware of this. Like yeah. Spawn did some research um, last fall uh, and it essentially came back that, you know, 28 percent of the coaches that we surveyed said that, you know, they felt like they hadn't received the information. They hadn't received guidelines or training in this space to actually be able to handle the obligation of GDPR. Mm. Um, and then 5% of the coaches we surveyed said they didn't even know what GDPR was. Right. You know, So yeah. I think there's, um, there's this question of obviously like for clubs and teams to put guidelines in place, but also for us to come across, and, you know, as for example, Spawn is the platform to say, look, we can solve this for you. We'll take away that pain point um, because obviously there's there's a lot of issues related to GDPR and compliance. Yeah, it's definitely an education piece around that because, for example, if we build a Facebook page for the football club that my son plays for, um, the parent or some of the parents are kind of like, well, why can't we put, you know, the picture of my kid with the man of the match trophy on there? And said, you can't. You can't do that. You can't put it on, on an open thing. And then your Facebook page effectively becomes a list of fixtures and there's no real value in that, really. You know, it's a reference, I suppose. But you'd be better off showcasing your club to potential future players. Then you may as well have a, a closed platform which is built for purpose, more professionally operated and, and safe, and then people are free to share that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's also fair to say that, you know, like a lot of the times right now, this becomes a WhatsApp discussion. But let's be honest, just like what you were saying, if you share this information on Messenger or you send across an email, you know, an Excel spreadsheet with all this information, you are also in breach of GDPR mm-hmm. and compliance. And um it is a challenge, you know, because whether you're like a large um, professional organization or corporation or you're like this mom and pop little football team, uh, you know, you do have the same obligation to honor yeah. um, the legislation in this area. And I suppose the message is maybe being lost because if you if you work for a business, particularly a big one, you are tired of hearing about GDPR. But if you're coaching a little team full of kids, how's that message getting to you? How's that GDPR message? You know, please don't share everyone's <laughs> details. It doesn't trickle down, does it? No. And then you see this before nativity plays or, or, or any kind of play um, at, at a school um, where the, the head teacher will, will implore, or sports day indeed, where the head teacher will implore you do not share any images on. You, you can film your kids mm-hmm. in the play, but do not share it on social media. Yeah. Please don't do that because if you do that, we will not allow you to film in future. And you're relying on the awareness of people actually listening, actually acting upon that. And you can't always trust people to, to act in that way. <laughs> and that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Because obviously, what people want from their apps and their social media is to be able to share everything all the time. If you're constantly chastising people for doing that, they will start to play safe rather than sorry. And all of the fun of being able to share photos of your kids and being able to share that information, it starts to go away because you don't want a huge fine or to end up in the paper or something. Yeah, and I think that's one of like that goes right into one of them, like why we exist, right? Like we exist to make organising easier. We exist to kind of take away all those pain points. Um, I think there's... 
um, there should be so much joy in this. You know, mm. there should be a lot of the coaches that we talk to, you know, um, say that we I signed up to teach the sport I love. I did not sign up for hours and hours of, you know, admin every single week yeah. and Excel spreadsheets. And um, the survey that we just did again, I think one one out of four of the respondents um, said essentially that they spent more than seven hours every single week purely on admin. Wow. That was like not even on the field. Yeah. So that's a major thing for us to reduce that admin burden and we think that the nation will be more active if you take away that pain point does this work for leagues and, and people who are organizing the leagues as well then because i know for example uh, there can be a lot of friction in local football leagues when someone may complain oh i don't really like this venue for this football match and then you know the email comes back and, and you can tell the person's annoyed because they've spent so long organizing all these fixtures for example and then someone's complaining about it yeah so like spawned um spawned the spawned app is essentially for teams and groups mm. uh and then on top of that we um just uh in december launched a club management platform as well to just kind of be put on top of, you know, if you manage across different teams and groups. Right. That's been very well received. And I think, you know, we are having conversations all the time in terms of how can we better serve this kind of stack? Like, what does that look like? Uh, and I think, you know, doing more explorations in terms of talking to league organizers, talking to the governing bodies. I mean, that's something we're really passionate about. Um, and I think it calls out a different too. Like, uh, when if you manage a club, a lot of the times, like, that's like a clunky back office mm-hmm. system that, you know, like yeah. one person in the whole office knows how to manage because it's really difficult to do. Um, But you don't necessarily have that end-to-end conversation with your members. Mm. And I think that's something we hear all the time now from the clubs that have started employing both the app and the club management tool that it's really powerful because they increasingly want to talk to, you know, their members and governing bodies as well. They are increasingly participant uh, focused, almost like they're treating them like consumers. And how does the app make its money? Because obviously nothing's free. You know, Facebook, for instance, says that it is, but, you know, you're paying through, through your personal data. If Spawn's not doing that, how is it earning its revenue? Yeah, so that's a good question and a question that we get quite often. Like, is it really free? Um, no, so our business model is transactions. So just like if you would, um, you know, take payments using PayPal or any similar service, uh, we would charge them a percentage uh, right. off of that. And yeah. it's, you know, we, we really want to try and make sure that we can um, help clubs and teams um, get their revenues in and collect their fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's proven really, really powerful. But yes, we are really free. And all you have to do is pay a small percentage. In grassroots sports, funding is a huge issue. Like 33% in our survey said that that was like one of the things keeping them up at night. And if there's things that we can do um, to make sure that, you know, people out there can let their kids enjoy sports without having to fork out. So there isn't that societal divide between the ones that can afford it and Mm. cannot. Um, That's all while we're free. And that's also why we are looking right now to see how can we increase revenue more. You know, sports overall is full of business models. There's so many business models in sports. It's just that grassroots sports is struggling to put that wheel together and that's one of the things that we're really keen on doing. And do you know how many times in my life I've been involved in grassroots sports my entire life. I'm 39 years old and I'm talking about when I was playing as a teenager. I'm talking about more recently. I'm talking about other activities too. The number of people I've seen drop out of organisations they may have built up a club from scratch you know up to like 10 uh, teams but then ultimately they burn out and they just say I can't do it anymore and if they're in a better place, they hand the keys over to somebody else and say, right, you take it because I've given it 10 years and I can't do any more. But in other circumstances, that person leaves the club and it all goes away. And so it was all for nothing. So it's it's a real, I don't know, there must be a nice 
feeling for you if you hear about people saying like, you know, you saved my, you know, you saved this club? Yeah, that's such a good point. Um, actually, when we did our survey, 62% of the of the respondents said that they felt unappreciated. Mm. And I think, you know, it, it's funny because like, so John, if I lost something, you know, like if I, if, if I dropped something and you picked it up, I would say like, oh, thank you, John, right? But, you know, you coaching my kids hours and hours every week, like sometimes I might not even say thank you. And it's like a weird culture yeah. that you haven't, like if you had post a picture of a cute cat, like I'll like it, you know, like or a cute kid or something. But there's that culture of communication that just hasn't really entered the space of volunteering. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think when we when we do things that kind of pull us in that direction to make it easy to say thank you, to make it easy to appreciate, um, it's really, really powerful. And we get so much, so much feedback from users that say, you know, I just had to get in touch with you and talk to you because finally someone's appreciating me and they're telling me that they do. And, and that was part of a, a marketing campaign, wasn't it? From, yes. So tell us a bit more about that. It was all about saying thanks to, to coaches. Yeah, so we did. Um, as part of this um, survey that we did, so we did a, a research report with the support of Sport England and UK Coaching, which is a great partner of ours, and, and Street Games. And um, essentially what we, we looked into is just like, we want to make sure that you go back and thank that one person that made participation possible for you. And, uh, you, you know, you talked about being a, an, an app that moves beyond sport. You mentioned choirs there as well. What's the plans for the company in terms of the business? Are you planning to be the kind of de facto group activity organization platform that does compete with the likes of WhatsApp one day? So my kids are, um, they play tennis and they play football. Um, and my daughter also does theater. So as a mom, I also have like my running group um, and, you know, like my activity set. And I love just having that one app that gives me all of that. It syncs with my calendar. I can see, you know, when my activities are, when my kids are, mm. and it's all different groups. So I I think that it's a wrong strategy to end up having like one app for this activity and one app right. for that because it just ends up being like end destinations yeah. and it doesn't make our nation more active. So I think that's the space that we're in. We want to make it as easy for you to participate in whatever, you know, activity that you're excited about. Um, and, and I think that's essentially where Spawn is going to like be a big differentiator. You've mentioned there that some of the UK companies and organizations that you're working with. Another is England Handball. Uh, now, I, I like to think I do my research on the podcast. I know my way around technology, but I have to say, I'd never heard of handball before. You've never heard of handball? No. Um, it's incredibly popular <laughs> in yeah. Europe. Well, I've, yeah, I find it's, it's, it's the Spain. second most popular sport in, in Germany, apparently. Yeah. And the Norway women's team, bringing it back, they're apparently the most successful uh, team for handball this spot that I didn't handball even is such a big deal yeah I think it's, in Scandinavia it's always been a really strong sport and you know great viewership and it's also fascinating from like a women's perspective that I think it's um, it's fair to say that when you watch handball like it's the women's team has, has sometimes had a lot of higher ratings than the men's team uh, so it's always been a really really cool um, cool sport to watch the goalkeepers are so brave as well because you've got someone running at you and they're going to throw the ball in your face <laughs> And they, if, if I mean, I don't know if Peter Smeichel, who's played for Manchester United, and he used to spread his body, you know, like spread yeah. eagle to make yeah. himself as yeah. big as possible. That is how they save shots in handball. Not protecting your face. Not protecting their face. Just hands out. None, none of that footballer in a wall, you know, like trying <laughs> to protect their, their privates and their face kind of nonsense. No, I mean, handball is great. You know, we have a lot of handball users across Europe. Yeah. And, and, and I know that you were just recently coming into your handball discovery. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that uh, <laughs> we're really excited about our partnership with um, England Handball. And it's a, it's a fast growing sport in schools, for example. Um, 
people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're bringing that Scandinavian vibe into your country now with some more handball. Well, a friend of mine used to play for uh, England at handball. Actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Alex Sharat. Yeah. Right. Well, listen. It's I'm not I'm not saying it's my fault that I didn't know about handball. I don't know any. John will attest I'm not the sportiest of people. But let's say I did want to find out more about handball or even start playing. Does the app work for Discovery as well? Can I jump on there and, and find new sports? Or is part of a security measure that I would have to know and meet someone in real life first? No, so that's a good question. Um, I think there's a way to kind of handle the discoverability part without it being on the app, mm-hmm. because the app essentially is like closed groups, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, if you wanted to join my group, um, you would, I would put you, you know, as a group member. Then the invitation would go out to you, and you would have to say yes, I want to join this right. group. Yeah. And when you join the group, you can also say, look, I want to, you know, share my personal data in the sense that I want them to see my contact information or yeah. not. Right. So that's a very different way from from using it, John, on, on WhatsApp. Yeah. So I think discoverability would probably sit outside of that. It's something that I'm keen on exploring further, what we would what that could look like. Yeah. Um, but for right now, you just kind of you get invited into a handball group and we'll make sure that happens for you. <laughs> Esther, if you're keen. It's, it's, that is the kind of thing that I would like if my friend, my neighbor, for example, is moving house and that's who I play squash with. When he moves house, who do I play squash with? You know, it'd be nice to. I know I could go and join a you know a squash club, etc. But I don't really want to do that. I just want to play. You know, mm-hmm. once a week, sometimes once a fortnight, yeah. and I'd just like to find someone nearby who also fancies a knockabout once a week. Maybe we should both go and try handball. We can do it together. Do you want to play squash with me? No, I don't. I want to try handball, oh. but I don't want to be in goal by the sounds of it. <laughs> Definitely face. don't go in goal. Don't go in goal. <laughs> but what you guys can do is you could also invite me back on the podcast in a little bit, and uh-huh. maybe I'll have a great answer for you. Because we're moving quickly, John. Yeah. There we go. All right. Sounds good. Exciting. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Trina, so much for, for being uh, with us here today. Yeah, let's let's go play some, some handball. <laughs> good luck. <laughs>